0: on 98 FM and online. This is Phoenix FM.
1: Oh my god, I can't believe it. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Happiness to be found, even in the darkest of time. That system probably contains a new data encryption algorithm. You'll never get in there.
2: Welcome to The Happiness Algorithm with me, James Rose, the show that talks all things mental health, emotional well-being, and what we can do to make us that little bit happier. So welcome back to The Happiness Algorithm. Uh, My guest today is no stranger. Uh, You will have heard him uh, on a previous show uh, talking talking all things positivity, all things... Exploration, discovery, and the importance of a of a of a sound foundation where yes is sort of cultivated and promoted uh yes that's right uh back for part two is George Bullard, the world br- record breaking explorer, endurance athlete, motivational speaker, the man that has covered almost two thousand miles on foot in the polar region, spending more than twenty six thousand Hours in Isolation and and uh, embarking on an hour and 45 minutes of part one show as well. So, George, welcome back to the Happiness Algorithm. How the devil are you? <laughs>
0: hey, James, how are you doing? It's great to be back on the Happiness Algorithm. I'm, I can't wait to see what the next hour and 45 minutes entails. I know it's going to be full of excitement and uh, and all sorts of goodies to take home, possibly. <laughs>
2: if you like Well, let's hope so. Let's hope so. And I'm I'm sure uh, the listeners will have taken a lot from show 1 um and uh, getting to know you a little more and what you've done. Uh and obviously it was a it was we was dipping our toe in in show 1 and as we said on the previous show uh it was so important to get you back for a part 2 because Well, really, we could get you back for a part two, part three, part four. There could be an entire series of of George (laughs) Bullard's expeditions from from mini George up to the man that that you are now and uh, and and discussing your explorations in more depth. And we said show two was going to be very much a deep dive into some of those explorations and and, and one in particular. Before we kick off uh, and take that deep dive, George, how have you been since we last spoke?
0: That's very kind of you to ask. Thank you. I've been, um, I've been very well, actually. Um, I managed to see my girlfriend, which has been wonderful. Um, I haven't seen her since, really. Uh, we uh, were sent into into lockdown, I guess they call it. Uh, although I really hate all of these terminologies that go alongside um, this pandemic, which has just passed, or uh, this pandemic, uh, because... Uh... I think it's it's also doom and gloomy, and all these uh, the lockdown and the social distancing and the isolation. It's all it's all very hard to. Uh, these all new words that have just arrived in our vocabulary and furloughing, and then no one ever knew what a furlough was, and uh, all of these things have you know they have just arrived on our plate. So it's been really nice to start to see the positivity and the greenery, uh, of uh, of our freedom start to reemerge. Um, but you know, it's for me. I uh, it's been a been a great pleasure. Uh, actually, um, just being able to witness spring, witness the wonders and the beauty of, of flowers emerging and trees emerging from their winter cocoons, uh, where they've spent you know hours and hours and hours praying and hoping that the summer sun would return again. And I think we can safely say, that um, that we've had a fantastic spring. Um, I keep I keep bees, actually, and we've never had a more bumper crop of honey than we have this year. It's been truly phenomenal. So being able to witness uh, that and simply enjoy it in the peace and serenity has been, uh, I think, a privilege which will remain with me and uh, will be my lasting memory of uh, this pandemic.
2: Well, that's lovely to hear um, because you know for some i'm i'm you know i'm sure they would perhaps look at this period um it, quite negatively and and you know not taking anything away i'm sure that that it has been a very very difficult period f- for some but equally we have been blessed with this freak period of nature this freak season where we've had uh, we've had sort of wonderfully high temperatures i think it's been the i think may was the the sunniest may on record the driest may as well um and there are parts of the world that that have shown themselves that perhaps many of us have not had the opportunity to connect with or see or 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 experience in the past and it's lovely to hear that that those are the elements that you will be taking with you um as as a memory uh, during this period yeah, a, a question that comes to mind as you was talking there as you mentioned the sort of social distance the isolation this 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 transition of of uh, of what we've become accustomed to a man such as yourself that has spent so many hours in isolation and during those expeditions uh the the sort of monotony of the day to day demand or task that is asked of you do you feel that you are, have been or are better equipped to have dealt with this period of lockdown and isolation.
0: That's a great question, Joe. You know, it's super interesting because um, when you're when you're you know you obviously choose to go on an expedition, right? You choose to put yourself in these situations to go and gather this data or unearth this ancient myth. You choose to that's that's a that's a positive forward momentum, forward step where you actively decide to go and spend time in isolation and of course this hasn't been a choice this has been uh you know enforced upon us by an act of nature um and so that I guess in the outset makes this form of isolation totally unique and uh and and creates a set of emotions which are very different to the emotions which I obviously experience when I choose to go are away or choose to go into isolation. Um, so that's, I guess, the first thing. But I think, I mean, one thing that I really couldn't prepare myself for, and I can obviously speak for myself, but not necessarily for everybody. But maybe some people can relate. I certainly couldn't quite prepare myself um, for sort of the 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 business side or the lack of business. <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I guess, I'm slap bang in the middle of the gig economy. Um, so. Although I represent brands and so I, I guess a you know a little bit of uh, financial finance from but a bit of cash from them, I actually rely on events on people having me you know uh, to speak at their companies at their schools people people uh, you know doing a, a, events where I might deliver bushcraft things um, and so I guess that being the core part of my business and the core part of I go adventures, where we take people on the adventure holidays to have all of that, that carpet, just that rug pulled from under your feet uh, was actually incredibly difficult. So with, so just, 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 looking at the isolation side of things, I think I, even though going into lockdown hasn't been a choice uh, that we all took, we were forced into it. I think probably I am better equipped for, isolation you know i've i've been through that 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 time where really nothing's happening and uh, you've got to get on with the day create a routine control the controllables find the positives lower your expectation self expectations of yourself you know instead of normally in normal life you might say you have got to you know a to do list of 10 things you know actually today i'm just going to do two things and i'm going to be really happy with those two things that i've done and feel like i've achieved you know, all of those things for for managing your mental wellness and uh your i guess your happiness in isolation whether you've chosen to be there or not you know they've applied uh to lockdown but what i really didn't really prepare myself for or have any understanding was of was the rapid deceleration in general full stop i think that was really the the bit that i found very difficult was you know going from going from 100 um, percent. Two zero <laughs> in the space of a week, and I think probably that's the i the element that i hadn't prepared myself for i I guess I can flip into the uh, preparing myself for isolation very quickly, but the flip into preparing myself for that deceleration was something I never saw coming and never ever had to deal with uh before
2: yeah, it was a very rapid uh as you say deceleration and transition into this period of of, of not nothingness but but so much of our existence uh being reduced to to almost zero in many places Mm,
0: absolutely yeah and for me it certainly was absolute zero i was very much i suddenly all i was um really bothered about is one have i got enough money to just to last what costs can i cut uh, can I can I you know what's the least amount I can live on if you know for food and water and uh, council tax and all the things that are going to keep coming in like pay the basic bills um what is that basic amount and then and then let's just be thankful we've got food and water and we've got freedom to go out and spend some time in nature and that was the most valued part and actually I really didn't look any further but I, I think now it feels like we're starting to that, that that silver lining is starting to to show itself um and uh I'm very keen to focus on, you know, looking back on what's happened. I'm very keen to pick out the, the bits which are really uh, positive because I think there has been a lot of positivity that's come out of it. And, uh, you know, that's that's something I, I would be keen to focus on uh, when looking back on what's happened.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that the wanting to... Um look back on what we can take from the experience is is a great opportunity to learn and grow from it um interestingly and and listening to you speak there around uh you know moving into this lockdown period and and almost dealing with the immediacy of the change and and the crisis itself uh is one that I can relate to because i think everyone done uh, exactly the same in one way or another whether it be financially uh, physically, um, uh, emotionally in terms of loved ones that, you know, we we looked inwards. We said, OK, have we got enough money to pay bills? Have we got food in the cupboards? Have we got food in our bellies? Have we got enough to get by? And it was a very, very frightening period those first few weeks. And I remember a lot of people saying to me at the time, wow, you know, you must be so busy. You know, people's mental health must be um, uh, people must be really struggling. And and interestingly, and what, what I said at the time was that it was, you know, we, we will, we will reduce to our basic needs first. We need to make sure that are we have, are we physically functioning, you know, and that's when it comes down to, have we got a roof over our head, clothes on our back, food in our bellies, can we function? And so therefore secondary then comes the, the mental health, the emotional health side of things that we will lock down. And, and, uh, you know, as you said before, uh, we mentioned off air that this, this period now is, you know, we can begin to see the lockdown, uh, lifting ever so slightly shops are reopening and schools are returning, uh, in some capacity. And it's now that, um, I'm beginning to see, uh, the, the mental health people beginning to struggle emotionally and, and starting to adapt with this, this new world that we're entering. I said to someone the other day, I. Uh, uh, email from a a, a very popular sports brand uh who were and it was they were marketing branded sports branded face masks and it really struck me yesterday because i thought wow this is the world this is going to become a fashion item you know (laughs) 10 11 weeks ago uh you only saw a face mask in a medical setting It, it, it was it was abnormal but now what we've got is branded sports face masks uh which which is it just blows my mind that ten weeks ago we left the world behind and we're now en- entering a new one uh and yeah very 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 strange very strange times I it's think we're entering quickly, it all
0: changes isn't it you know um it all suddenly becomes part of our vocab or part of what we consider to be normal and that's happened in eleven weeks <laughs> it's amazing isn't it
2: yeah absolutely and uh, uh, we are you know at, at, best we're we're quite resilient, adaptable creatures. And perhaps this provides an opportunity for us to uh dust off those skills of of being adaptable and resilient creatures. And you know, I think we we spoke about on on uh show one the importance of you know this period being an opportunity to reflect, to connect with nature, uh to embrace the moment, to be quite present. Um and maybe now is that opportunity to as I say to uh, stimulate those other assets that we possess of uh, around resilience and, and adaptability to the situation. Um, yeah. But Hey, you know,
0: yeah, totally. And I, I, you know, I guess I come, come across nature quite a lot on the, on, on my expeditions and it's, um, I guess in, in good ways and bad ways, but it's a, it's a amazing, it's an amazing leveler. I find the outdoors and maybe that talking about nature would be a nice segue into what we want to discuss today.
2: I think so. <laughs> let's, let's take that. Let's pull on our trunks, our swimming hat, Put our goggles on and take a deep dive into one of uh, your exhibitions, and and one in particular that I know we've we've spoken about uh, very briefly. But I think it's very important uh, to share uh, with the listeners the the journey uh, and and the narrative and the story that goes goes with that. So tell us a little bit more about this, George.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, I guess it's I, I just want to tell you all a story, really, share something which um which without doubt uh changed me and i think changed and i'm pretty sure changed every single person who who was there on this expedition so if i may i will sort of just set the scene and um and and really just tell the story over the next few minutes and uh um uh, we will then pick out little bits and discuss it and maybe feel free to obviously interrupt james if something comes up that you that you think might be interesting to speak about we can always go back onto the story as we see fit but um so it was uh 2011. I was uh how old was I? I was probably around 20, 21. Um, and I was a you know a young guy who'd come off the off the back of uh, a few expeditions already. I'd uh, guided a couple of pe- guided people in the Amazon rainforest in Antarctica already. I'd broken a world record. It was all a bit mental really, and uh, I was I was uh you know that indefeatable young man. Um, and you know how all young kids are—you know they—they—they they, don't—they're fearless. They don't see any risks and uh, at all. And I was uh, at this stage, um, you know, guide on an expedition. I was asked to guide uh, seventy-five young kids in uh, up on the Arctic archipelago of Svalbard. And Svalbard is uh, I guess, little heard of. It's an island, a set of islands uh, in the middle of the North Atlantic Ocean, at about seventy. Eight degrees north, so it's approximately sort of six or seven hundred miles away from the North Pole, which is not not all that far. It's roughly sort of you know ten, eleven degrees, uh, eleven degrees away. So yeah, it's it's uh, it's a very cold place, uh, especially in the winter. The sun they have they experience twenty four hour sunlight, twenty four hour daylight. It's a phenomenal uh, snapshot of the Arctic Ocean, which is very accessible from the UK. You know, it's a it's a uh, a single flight from 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 norway and and you're there uh actually you can't even get there no okay well you can get there from norway but it's uh it's it's very close to us it's our closest sort of part of the Arctic and it is very arctic it's home to three thousand people roughly uh the capital city is Longyearbyen. um Langeben, and it's beautiful uh it used to be a very big coal mining uh uh place location. But since since uh, a few years ago, they've all stopped. And now you've really got, just got the remnants of a past industrial uh, city. And their main business is tourism. So we had 75 young kids. We, they were brimming with enthusiasm, with anticipation as to what we were about to do. We were heading out onto the ice into the middle of nowhere about two days, oh, sorry, about uh, half a day's uh, boat ride. Away from Longyearbyen uh, to a place called the Von Postbreen Glacier, and it's a it's a location where the ice spilling off the edge of the mountain tops meets with the ocean. The sounds you experience are there is very little sound; it's pure peace, apart from the carving glacier which breaks off bits of ice. Every time, uh, every hour, it it cracks into the ocean and drifts off on, uh, and the ice then drifts off into the fjord and out to sea uh, to begin its next phase of the cycle. So it's it's a phenomenal place, a very powerful place where humans feel totally, or I certainly felt totally insignificant, completely humbled, totally grounded, very exposed to the elements and to the sheer power and. uh, ability of Mother Nature to form such huge sounds and amazing vistas and views. And it's also home to very little apart from uh, the polar bear, uh, the arctic fox. Uh, uh, and otherwise, there's, there's very few trees, but there's no trees. Um, the only thing that really grow are maybe ankle height. And so it's a, it's a very sparse landscape, but naturally sparse landscape, no impact from human beings at all. Uh, i was responsible for uh, a fire of about 13 people directly and our the 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 culture of the expedition was all around youth development and leadership skills so we were doing lots of different sort of different uh activities whether that was science uh, gathering data on retake photography was one of the things we chose to chose to do as a as a group um that's really simple. We headed into the archives at the Royal Geographical Society, the home of expeditions, the uh, home of UK, um, I guess, geography, UK science for these sorts of things. Headed into their archives to go and find some pictures of the glacier, uh, or of a glacier somewhere on the island. And uh, we would then go back and take the same picture and see the difference. It's a very kind of, you know, just compare, What's happened in since they were first when they're in uh, a lot of the pictures were in nineteen to twelve just before the first world war um, and uh, we would then come back or oh, you know a hundred whatever years later hundred and ten years later and take the same picture and just see what it's yeah. It, so, so those sorts of things it's very basic science but really interesting stuff and we publish them in papers and and share what we found so you know these guys were very much uh, on the front front line of gathering data. Uh, in the Arctic Ocean, uh, on the, uh, in the Arctic, uh, on Svalbard. And I think as a 16, 17-year-old guy, as, as all of these young people were, this was a phenomenal op- opportunity to spend about two months living uh, alongside nature, gathering scientific data, uh, seeing a part of the world they might never see before, see again. Uh, and our, as a group, our decision was to head out across the island it's, the island's, uh, I feel like about 72 kilometers squared. If I'm thinking right off the top of my head, I've got the number in my head. Um, so it's not tiny, but it's not massive either. You know, you can walk across it in a week, uh, easily, spend some time on the other side, uh, and come back. And this was totally unique. This is, you know, within the whole group, whole expedition of 75 young people, we were the only team who were going to head out across the island and see a new part of it. So it would be phenomenal. We got to, well, the time was about. Uh, we were two weeks into the project, and we'd just got ourselves totally ready and poised for what was going to be our sort of lift off across to the other side of the island. So again, that anticipation was booming, it was brewing uh, as we were packing our sledges and getting our, you know, waxing our skis to head out across the uh, the ice cap to the other side, and uh, we had one more night's sleep. And uh, so we all bedded down, had our freeze-dried food, all packeted food, uh, melted snow to make water, then boiled the water to add that to our freeze-dried food to hydrate it again. And it was all sort of pasta-based and oat-based, really exciting stuff. And uh, we, I sorry, inside inside our team, my team, we had a young girl who was uh, who was very allergic to 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 lots of different foods and. She reacted very, uh, very strongly to sort of pollen and all this sort of stuff. So we happen to have the doctor in our team, and uh, the doctor, you know, communications there are very tricky. So it's there aren't any plugs you can just plug your phone into and get some more power. You uh, you've got to be very religious and pre-planned around when you communicate, so that you know, for example, at six pm. Everyone turns their mobile on and everyone speaks at 6 p.m. for 15 minutes. And it is very routine. There's very little, little chit-chat. We, do, we follow a military, uh, almost, it is a military-style form of communication. It's called a SITREP. Um, it's a short for Situation Report. And you simply follow uh, a pre-agreed set of, um, of co- a code, if you like, that you go through that code and they have everything. Everyone will then have all the information they need to To update you, on, update everybody off as to everyone's situation. So it's a very efficient co- set of communication, a uh, very efficient conversation. And then, then uh, at sixteen, everything's turned off, and you save battery. Very important because we're totally remote here. There's there's no one else. There's no squares. There's no no right angles. No straight lines. No evidence of humans ever being here before. It's beautiful. I never forget the the doctor and I shared a tent and. His pager buzzed at seven thirty in the morning. Bzz, bzz, it went, bzz, bzz. and obviously we, we that, that that wakes us up, and we look at it, and it's part of our satellites, part of our communication plan, is to is involves this pager, and the page message said, "Turn on your phone." You know, it's a code one emergency, and as soon as I saw that message, I. Um, Sprung into action. I don't know why something came over me. I leapt out of the tent for the first time. Put a round. I uh, put a, uh, a bullet into the chamber of our rifle and leapt out of the tent with my rifle, with pen bear flares as a deterrence. And I thought we were being attacked by a polar bear. We picked up the phone and spoke to our nearest neighbours, near, a team who were living nearest us. And uh, they said something which uh, I cannot, uh, I still really can't believe happened today. And it generally changed my life, what they said. Um, they said they'd been attacked by a bear. And there was one young person who'd been killed, mauled to death by a polar bear on Friday the 5th of August in 2011 at 7.30 in the morning. They had also four injuries and uh, uh, the polar bear is, has de- was dead as well, uh, had been shot. Um, and I just... What happens next is... is. Uh, I, I don't really know what happened, what came over all of us uh, to react in the way that we reacted, and the sort of leadership which came out of it. But all the way through, all the way through, up until that absolute moment when we were told that that, what we were told what had happened, uh, the leadership style had been one of encouragement, and ma- encouraging young people to make their own decisions, uh, with my guidance, you know, keeping them within the bounds of possibility to make their own decisions, to have their own energy to plan amazing things, whether that's ice climbing or summiting a mountain, is that possible? Yeah, it's possible, let's go and do that, okay. So we're pushing them ahead of us. And at that moment, at 7.30 in the morning, when that call came through to us, the leadership style changed in an instant. It went from pushing the young kids ahead of us to, right, everybody needs to listen. And act on our words to the T, because there's a significant amount of risk that um, that there could be another bear in the area. There could be another bear who's equally uh, in, a, in a similar situation, and uh, so suddenly, like the, the the heightened senses are switched on, and I got everybody out of bed. Uh, we were about to get up anyway, um, and said, you know, there's been something that's happened, something's happened that, um, well, there's been a serious incident and I need you all to pack everything up. Don't ask any questions. I want everyone in absolute silence. There's no no questioning what's going on right now. I'll tell you more as I know more, but we need to take everything back down to base camp and that's where we need to get to. Base camp was about five kilometres away at this stage, but it's a good day's walk. Um, and we packed up all of our all of our kit, all of our tents, and all of our sledges, and walked back down the glacier um, over, uh, you know, probably about half a day to get to get there. And uh, I was the first, uh, one of the first leaders to arrive on the scene that morning. And I didn't really know what to think. I was obviously very young, and uh, so I decided to. Keep all of the young people, uh, all of the young explorers, who are effectively you know, two years younger than me, uh, about a hundred yards away from the, the the site, the scene, and you know behind a knoll, just to protect them from, you know, w- the sight which I had to witness that morning um, as we came up over the, over the crest of the hill to see um, what could only be described as a as a as a war zone. There was uh, some body parts, human remains. Um, Everywhere, and there wasn't there wasn't a single stone that wasn't um, didn't have some evidence of uh, I guess uh, the terror that had happened uh, barely hours before, and we arrived at a time where I just managed to see, uh, or we arrived at a time when I saw everything, and uh, even including the fatality, and it made it even worse because the fatality you can go and see you can go and search online today so uh you know Horatio um was a school friend of mine um and we went to the same school together and uh I guess I, I I I will never come to terms with um well I have come to terms with it but I'll always have a small sense uh of guilt in me that I was you know an older boy at school and Horatio might have seen what I was doing and Looked up to me and then saw I was doing this trip and decided to come along so that sense of guilt um, uh, will always be there a little bit, but I think for, for, for me sharing this story um, is is a, I guess a way of managing that guilt um, but also I hope that people can take small snippets or from away from this story to maybe help themselves and I think that's really the the, the key here is that Uh, you know I'm I'm not using this story for my own commercial gain it's it's really a a story which you know I hope people can take small things take something away from to to make their um, situation their whatever they're experiencing uh, make that a little better Um, and really what we decided to do to do next uh, you know once we had Got the emergency services there. You know, the Svalbard Authority arrived in helicopters. Um, pretty soon after we arrived, or as we arrived, they were they were there, um, ferrying people back. You know, it was then obviously out of our hands as an expedition. It was very much like a search and rescue, you know, global search and rescue problem. Uh, we escalated it right the way up to the top of the Svalbard Authority, and they were activating all of the. You know. Uh, Major incident plans that they had in place that involved helicopters and involved you know chartered planes and flights to, to, to back to Bergen for for special emergency treatment, uh, and uh, they 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 as we arrived they were they were they were taking uh, the fatality in the polar bear away from the scene and we were then sort of left in amidst the silence of what had happened uh, rather mm, not really knowing what. what well, knowing what it was to do, but slightly lost as to uh, what had just happened and how that it, how it had come to that. Um, you know, yet yeah, we had all of the the correct and recommended and required defenses. But I guess uh, skipping forward a little bit into the story, you know, we've gone through many, many, many inquiries, independent, private, public inquiries, and uh, and the the outcome. Uh, is that no one's been blamed? No one's been been uh, uh, prosecuted for what happened. It was, sim- it was sort of a, simply a, a huge, huge accident. Uh, I guess that these sort of things do do happen on expeditions. Um, and what we did, what we did next, uh, I think, is also very interesting because we obviously had the opportunity now that we'd escalated this to to higher authorities, to to government level authorities. We obviously had the opportunity to get out of there immediately. You know, we all need to leave, all 75 kids or 75 people who've been left, all the people who've been left behind, we had the opportunity to be like, let's get out of here. We're going home now. But we decided against that. Uh, As a leadership team, we made an executive decision to not leave. Um, We decided that we were going to stay there uh, for another few days, for as long as it takes for us to organise a, sort of a, a, a different form of evacuation. Um, we decided we were going to stay there, uh, live in the base camp for another four or five days. Um, and this, for me, was a crucial time. Although I was totally, as a leader, meant to be totally responsible, I was totally petrified of going to sleep. Uh, totally petrified of going into... Excuse me. Going into my tent where you know, and getting in my sleeping bag, You know, that was, that is your palace. That is everything you, you, you live in. Uh, it's your warmth. It's your shelter. That tent is your palace. And having seen what I saw at that campsite where the polar bear had attacked and killed Horatio, um, suddenly I literally didn't want to sleep any longer. I didn't want to close my eyes in a tent ever again. Because I was scared, right? I was absolutely scared of something happening again. And uh, to me, to my teammates, to my fellow team. Um, so just like that, that, that the fear of being there um, was pretty terrifying. But the crucial thing for us was the fact that we were in an environment where every single person there knew exactly what we were going through, they, they could understand the situation, and that gave us the opportunity to, to communicate, to talk about what we had all been through, to talk about the fact that I was scared about going into my tent and sleeping, to talk about the fact that, um, you know, the, the other things which people were scared of, what to talk about our emotions with people who knew exactly what we had gone through. and I think this was a key part of of this phase if you like this unexpected and unfortunate phase of and for me truly terrifying um, this phase was really important because every as I said every single person there had the time and we made sure that we put nothing you know on the schedule there was no activities planned all we did was sit on the beach uh, on driftwood uh, light a fire watch the glacier carve, uh, you know, as it had done throughout the time, entire time we were there. Watch that glacier carve, experience the midnight sun. Uh, some people chose to sleep at weird times. It didn't matter. We could just do what we did and speak about it. And that was such a key time. And actually, I, something that I will always remember is is
1: even
0: at this time when the leaders had taken that, that then leading from the front perspective. You know, we're doing this now you'll do it in silence uh even then or even sort of now back at base camp we then gave the mantle back to every single person in the base camp and said look what do you want to do do you you now know everything that we know do you want to carry on stay go home now and we had an, an anonymous sort of ballot and people could put in what they wanted to do and it was it was it was, uh, it was amazing how many people wanted to stay, uh, but equally understandable how many people wanted to go home. But I guess the bottom line of that whole thing is that we knew as a leadership team and as an expedition that we weren't really in the right mindset to be uh, responsible for young people in this environment. Uh, but also it would have been inexcusable if something else happened uh, that we didn't take our opportunity to, 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 to go to somewhere safe uh, re- recoup and, and then go back in, in the following years or in the ensuing years. Um, so it was, you know, that, that 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 journey definitely changed my perspectives on life. It definitely changed uh, the way I think about expeditions, and it certainly didn't stop me, or actually probably made me even more keen to go. Because Horatio, having known him from school, he was a you know, a very gregarious young man. He was going to university to read medicine, and for me, he was following a passion. He always wanted to go on an expedition. You know, he always wanted to do that, and he was following an absolute passion of his. And I, I and it's why it's made me more keen on the outdoors. Oddly, is that it's. I mean, I, I'm actually, a, I'm totally obsessed with the power. of the outdoors um, and how it can change people change lives and so despite the terrifying situation which I had to live through um, for those few weeks on the ice uh, it's made me more keen and it's actually given me a more profound respect of you know of how frail human life is but also how much you can get from it if you follow what you absolutely, uh, what you love doing, uh, because that for me is the key. Um, and it, it leads to, I guess, uh, another set of coding in
2: amongst the happiness algorithm. Wow, George, um, goodness me. Uh, it's, it's not often I'm rendered speechless. Um, but I'm left with so many questions buzzing around my mind, to you know, and, and not really knowing where to start with it. But you know, I think that. Um, well, firstly, I think you you retell the the, the tragic story with with uh, with elegance and 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 such respect for Horatio and and that's that's uh that's credit to to you and to those that were on the expedition and and obviously Horatio as well and uh you know part of me thinks that it, it makes me wonder actually that decision to stay for those those few days thereafter and, and and have that opportunity to speak and uh, decompress and to share and connect and and as you say that you know everybody in that uh, everyone there uh had, 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 had witnessed and, and been through that that tragic event and trauma and uh, and will have being the only people to truly understand that and and the 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 environment and the surroundings and the energy enabled you to begin that process of recovery or, or talking through such a traumatic event um and also you know listening to you i can't help but see and connect with that Rapid, rapid energy change, and how we started this show as well and and by no means am I drawing comparisons to to this tragic event but but interestingly, the theme of our conversation being this rapid energy change at at seven thirty in the morning as that pager buzzes, and that almost intuitive sixth sense that kicks in as you dive out of bed, you're loading rifles, preparing flares and and you know the the enthusiasm you know 2 weeks into the expedition ready to embark across the the lake and 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 hope and and uh ready for this exploration and an adventure and 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 then all of a sudden that energy is shifted 180 degrees and now being focused on what you were going to be dealing with and managing uh i, I mean a, a truly incredible Incredible story, George. Where so you know we're 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 we're, we're you know nine to ten years on uh, or approaching, and and you say that it's had a significant impact. That twenty one year old young man, uh, as you say, fearless, li- fearless, and 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 full of life, and and, uh, and and undertaking world records and various other expeditions in the past. What were the significant changes to you as an individual, and and what it what did it bring into your life, going through such a traumatic event?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, firstly, James, thank you. I, I, you know, uh, and I totally understand how hard it is to sort of be on the receiving end of, of a story like that because you never quite know what 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 to what to say next. But of course, you know, um, please ask away. Anything you can anything you can think of, I'm, I'm happy to speak about. But uh so how did this trip really really change me? Um, um yeah. I think first first of all it's it taught me about um the stoicism that the English happened to acquire. <laughs> whether it's I don't know why, why why we why we're known as such a stoic nation where we don't really speak about these sorts of things, um, and maybe that was, that. I think that's changing, maybe, um, but I certainly uh, would probably put myself in a bracket where I might not necessarily have spoken about this sort of thing, if it wasn't for the people around me, uh, my friends and family, and and crucially, the people who were on the expedition uh, with me and the support we were given uh, off the back of it. Um, I would, to be honest, I probably would have never, ever, ever gone to a therapist in my life or never really appreciated the incredible work that that therapist did. Um, It was a very strange time, actually, coming back from it. Coming back into civilization because you you always have uh, that disconnect where people where it's very hard to relate to someone who hasn't been on an expedition with you you know whatever trip you've been on it's very hard to relate and of course it was even harder this time you know I came back from it and went straight to university all of my mates wanted to ask me but they didn't they couldn't they didn't know how I'd react so they didn't ask me they sort of avoided the conversation so I never really spoke about it apart from with this one lady. And I'm embarrassed to say it. I don't remember what she looks like. I don't remember what her name was. I don't know anything about her. I'm embarrassed to say that. But she whatever she did, she totally totally I mean I cried into her you know, into her arms and I was I was a I was a, a sort of a a shadow of um a shadow of my former self. Um but seeing this person and you know, if she ever listens, I'd love to meet her and thank her for it. Um, but you know, it really unlocked something inside me where I was, I was very uh, open, much more open as a person to to share these sorts of things. And I think that that will probably be the key for me about this particular expedition. I think actually we've spoken about expeditions in general and how they've changed me, and. Um, altered my personality and all that i think we did that in show one but for this particular um this particular expedition uh it certainly gave me a profound understanding of the importance of openness uh, of sharing your emotions and even if it even if those emotions might seem completely completely irrational uh to to you and you might that and i then would might believe that they would be even more ridiculous to somebody else. I think it was so important to share those feelings of of I think predominantly guilt. Uh you know, should I have done something more to protect my friend Horatio? Should I have done something to to you know if I'd done that, would he still be alive? Um you know, there's there's so many ifs um you know things that I could potentially blame on myself um, for not doing um, but that for through that process of communication and sharing I think it's it's helped me um, come to terms with what had happened and as and as I tend to do find find the positives in these sorts of situations you know um, and look look for the positive angle on this. Story. Uh, so, if I if I was forced to, or if I was put down, if I was asked to find what particular angle, um, I that changed me was changed about me from this trip. It would certainly be that openness, that willingness to share, that willingness to speak about, you know, our deepest grumble, deepest um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, gremlin, <laughs> our deepest gremlin that you know makes our stomach twist. But we can't share it because we're afraid to. We're afraid of what others might think. Um and I think that was for me that's key. That has been key throughout this this journey.
2: And what a wonderful leadership quality to model that that we are well, we all have gremlins, we all have a level of fragility that we possess that often perhaps is not seen or or embraced in 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 our sort of enthusiastic youth um, and that that's not a that's not a, a, a flaw I don't think um, but being able to being able to connect with that I think ripens one's emotional maturity because we're connecting with the entire spectrum there of of feelings of and emotions and and you know what? I think when you talk about obviously the lady that 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 you worked with, and 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 I, I don't think there should be any form of embarrassment uh, felt that you can't remember her her name or um, what she looked like, because the process was for you. And I, and I think when we are when we are working with somebody, it's it's never about. It's, it's always about the individual that's in that crisis and, uh, and, and that individual working through what they need to and, and um, you know, being not necessarily the... Uh, well, interestingly, it reminds me, Freud often said that, you, you know, the, 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 the... Not the professional, but from a world of psychology, the individual became a mirror or, or, you know, an opportunity to absorb and reflect back uh the the crisis that that somebody was going through and and so therefore the name or an identity is you know obviously not taken away it would be lovely to, to to meet her again I'm sure but I think as part of the process and the recovery I'm I'm not sure I feel entirely comfortable with that word um but the journey uh through through such tragedy to where you are and and where you've been um you know sometimes it's it's Not so much about the face or the individual or the name, it's just having that person there because it's it's on that emotional level, it's that felt sense, it's that connection that we need to be able to to move forward and find space and accommodate these extremely, extremely difficult emotions. And and you know, what I'll take from from what you've said is that there's something around the importance of sharing emotions naming the emotions connecting with the emotions Um, but equally having somebody there who can validate those emotions who can truly uh, look to empathize as accurately as possible and and i think that you know we you know as a from a humanness perspective it's it's not about having um necessarily experienced the same tragedies but it's well, we go back to something you said in show one, um, whatever we do in life, it's about trying our best. And I think when we're looking to connect and share our emotions or where we're at with somebody, um, if they're trying their best to understand, quite often that is, that's good enough, That that, that that's there and that enables us to feel uh, as though we are being listened to, understood, taken seriously, respected and um yeah Absolutely. i mean a, a, yeah. an in, an incredible an incredible incredible story it's um i suppose the obviously you 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 mentioned that it made you even more determined to go on uh other expeditions off of the back of that is it a changed how you approach these expeditions? From a practical perspective.
0: Yeah, my mum was pulling her hair out. <laughs> she she was like, Oh and, you know, obviously it's terrible. I bet. <laughs> she was like, Oh, this is great, he'll go and get a normal job, he'll settle down and get married and have kids and you know <laughs> the ideology from my and my mum's side. <laughs> um, love her dearly. Um It's uh yeah, it's it's a funny one making making you more determined to go out there but would you mind just saying so that question again just like i couldn't quite remember that it fell out of my brain when i was laughing with my mother
2: no no not at all is it um so is it ch- from a practical perspective has it changed how you approach expeditions uh, yeah. having gone through such a a, a a frightening experience
0: absolutely yeah sorry about that yeah thank you um it's it... i probably would uh it's going to be completely going to throw it completely on its head. What what you expect me to say is that, that you know I probably you know manage and mitigate risks and live live an even safer expedition, um, and and try and avoid all risks at all costs. And I don't know whether that was this particular expedition or all the all the expeditions in general, but it's certainly uh, given me a armed with that. Um, with with a good under or a better understanding of of what risk looks like, as we spoke about in show one briefly, I think, um, armed with a better understanding, I now probably take more risks. Uh, so, for example, um, swimming. You know, I love my swimming, and I always love going swimming in cold places. You know, the more ridiculous, the better. And actually, you know, diving off an iceberg into the sea is something which I will most likely say yes to. <laughs> Even though it's a bit cold and a bit uncomfortable probably at the time and you wouldn't want to hang out there for too long. But it, it uh, <laughs> yeah. of, of course it's given me like a a, a good understanding of risk and, and a wanting to, an urge or a need to be safe and to make sure that I come home. Um because you know uh, I think that's very important uh, irrespective of however well or badly the expedition goes I think it's it's very important that we make every effort to to, to come home to our loved ones um uh that's really probably been more emphasized by this trip, but it's contradictory to that. it's probably made me more enthusiastic to to live every second like it could be my last because I guess one second i'm I'm gonna be right uh so you know I'll be proved right right once in my life, but I would have filled every single second or every minute with um as a as Roger Kipling says, I would have filled every minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run. And I think that's really key for me.
2: Well, I think, it, you know what, it. It remind, I said to someone yesterday that um, there's a wonderful, uh, While whilst we're on quotes, and I, I, I um, apologise because I can't remember where this comes from, but, you know, we're blessed with 86,400 seconds every single day. So they're our life credits, if you like. I posted um, on my Instagram. It's important. (laughs) Ah, there we go. Oh, well, that's there. There we go. So, um, it's about how we, as you say, with, 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 um, the distribution or, or how we spend them and, 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 you know, living every second as if it's our last. And, you know, many of us will put some of those life credits away for a rainy day, like we do financially, but, but sometimes we, we don't know when that time is. And, uh, you know, not not necessarily endorsing this uh, <laughs> this wild freedom with no morals or or, or you know neglecting bills to pay, etc. That that's a product of our existence and that's the reality of life. But essentially, there are probably many of us in the world that don't take those opportune moments. We we mentioned we spoke about opportunity in the past and and uh, and and not neglecting that, but embracing that sometimes and seeing where that adventure takes us and. uh and yeah, I think that's, that's, that's wonderful. And, and I'm sure many can take a lot from that and, and begin to to look at their life and say, do you know what? Actually, I, I, I can, I can choose a different option here. I can embrace this moment. I can live with a little bit of freedom and, uh, and and not always feel the need to conform of what the world expects of me. Yeah, you know, because it should always be about us and our choice yeah, and exactly what we right. want to do. George, we mustn't, um, uh, get away really from, from an emotion you, you, um, touched on earlier. And, um, it's an emotion that I'm always intrigued by. And and it makes me wonder whether, uh, with 499 words in in the English language that represent an emotion, um, it still isn't enough by any stretch. Um, but we, we're, we're quite lazy with our language and we, and we rely heavily on the, um, on on the big ones, the front runners, and and guilt is one of those. And it, and I often wonder whether, um, people mislabel, um, an emotion with, um, the the sticker guilt, and and it and it actually or may not be as it were. So if you know, for me, in its purest form, guilt presents on two occasions if we've done something that we shouldn't have um, or we haven't done something that somebody has asked of us. And, and that's the sort of, I think that's the Collins definition of, of, of guilt. And I can't help but think that, you know, listening to the story and, you know, the journey that you went through and everybody else, it wouldn't be fair that, that guilt sits there because guilt is a, is a very, uh, it's a nuisance of an emotion. And it, it does often demand a response and rattle around for far too long. Um, Particularly if it's uh, if it's a misrepresentation, and as I say, you know, as you as you share the story, as I say, not to repeat myself, but I can't help but think that it would be an unfair emotion for you to carry around to continue to carry in your in your rucksack.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you're you're right. I think I can be happy. Uh, or we can be happy uh, now that all of this has been put to bed. All of the inquiries and the inquests have been, have been finished. Uh, they finished three years ago now, so it went on for a long time, uh, and and no one saw uh, that there was any particular fault. And I think probably for me that was when that that guilt started to to um, started to, I guess, decrease. Um, so that I I was then happy that. Everyone else thought there was nothing else that we could have done, um, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 it's, it's definitely. I don't carry it around with me every day, but sometimes I'm just like, oh gosh, you know. Especially in the immediate aftermath That's that, obviously, it, that was obviously a tough time uh, for me. Um, mm. But, but now, um, you know, my my tiny pea-sized brain has an amazing ability to forget the bad bits. To forget the sort of the, the the really horrid bits of any expedition and replace it purely with the 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 um the more beautiful side of it. So uh, now, as you say, ten years down the line, that sense of guilt is certainly uh, not necessarily burdening me down, but it's uh, something which I remember feeling, um, you know, in the in the aftermath of of, of the incident, um, and I i'm also trying to think of sort of other, other emotions that were um that were, that were flooding through me because there was i remember them being a lot of them um, <laughs> as you can imagine um but I, i'm interested to see all the 499 words of the english dictionary that refer to an emotion i feel like i've I've only got a few in my repertoire
2: <laughs> well it, you know it, often when I, uh, I speak with with individuals it's um i encourage uh you know that you can you can go online and tap into a search engine uh, a feeling sheet and i think it's a wonderful exercise uh, to not 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 to boost our vocabulary but but certainly to to stretch our emotional vocabulary because um and, and if you search on on uh <laughs> this is your homework george for the week uh if you search on I'm the search it's just I'm feeling looking. sheet or feelings will there we go there we go um we can begin to see because the, for me there's an importance to refining uh the emotional response at times uh we we're, we're conditioned to uh well particularly in times of crisis or 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 uh, acute trauma and tragedy um the, this is slightly different but but the day to day um that that would be a a, a, a post incident um intervention or, or, or discussion point to refine those emotions because when we're in that acute crisis obviously understandably um as we started this show it's about the immediacy of our, our, um, physical being, you know, um, you know, are, are we safe? Um, that fight or flight response kicks in, but, but post event, or certainly in a, in a, in a much smaller uh challenging situation refining the emotions is really crucial because it prevents any distortion and and the fact that we're emotional creatures means that the the fuel of the emotion will always determine the behavioral response how we react thereafter and if we're mislabeling um we end up with with uh well we run the risk of distorted behavioral responses how we manage ourselves, i think what's wonderful to hear george and, and uh what you have done. And I think this comes from excellent grounding. And, and and we spoke a lot about this in, in show one, you know, you was raised in an environment where yes, was always encouraged. There was a positive foundation for which you to, from which you built your, your internal infrastructure on. And, and so, you know, what, what is, what's important, I think for people to hear and understand is that no one is, nobody's a superhero. No one's indestructible. And, and even with the most, uh, the most positive environments for us to construct this, this, this internal framework to reference against, to approach the world with such, uh, enthusiasm and, and, uh, uh energy in which you did in, in times of crisis, we all struggle. And, you know, as you said, it, it was it, what I thought was quite powerful, um, was when you said that when you did stay and and getting back into bed you struggled to sleep and even a man such as yourself that has overcome such feats and crazy crazy adventures and, and successes and world firsts um those those that sleep was hard to come by um in that in that time of tragedy and crisis and the fear was felt so fiercely and sharp um and I think that's what a lot of people will will connect and relate to well i hope so anyway
0: i hope so too maybe it's time for that first song maybe i can't which one it is though
2: <laughs> well we must we must you know this is probably a record for me on on a show <laughs> i normally uh i normally do end up chatting to my guests for far too long as you know george and uh and go fly past the 30 minutes but um <laughs> we have set a new record of uh, an hour gone past the hour now so uh yes, George, let's go to your first song. Uh this is uh you're listening to George Bullard. It's uh, myself, James Roast here on the Happiness Algorithm. Uh this is uh part two of of uh George's uh show two of George's uh, discussions and conversation. Uh this is his uh first song choice. Stick with us and join us after this.
1: soft to trunks He took the midnight train going anywhere <laughs> A singer in a smoky share
2: phoenix fm welcome back to the happiness algorithm with me james roast uh, my special guest today is george bullard this is part two of uh, of my conversation with george bullard um and that was that was journey don't stop believing uh, that was george's well it was first song choice on this show it was uh, third song choice overall um george uh, another great song that was that was a hat trick of good songs for you. <laughs> yeah.
0: well, I'm looking forward to number 4. I can't wait for that one. That's honestly that's a cracker too. But um
2: well, yes.
0: <laughs> I think very pertinent to what we've been discussing over the last hour or so.
2: Very much so. Um a very a very important first hour of the show, um I have to say um an incredible an incredible story, I think as I said uh before the break there, uh I think you share it uh, with with uh, passion and the respect that it deserves, and uh, and and the honour uh, with uh, with regards to Horatio and and what everyone went through uh, in that in that difficult period. Um, I wanted to ask you a bit around about you 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 sort of touched on it before. Um, with regards to the emotion that we feel when we go through difficult. Uh, challenges and, and traumatic events. And uh, it was something around recognizing that sometimes, often, infrequently, sporadically, difficult emotions will present every now and again. It's the spontaneity of of what we, uh, uh, the fact that we are a product of our past and, and sometimes they kind of catch us out. Um, how do you manage that? As you said before, we're, we're sort of nine, 10 years oncoming and and how do you manage those moments and those days where some of those emotions and those memories will surface again
0: yeah i think it's it's it's, it's um oh, I make sure i'm on yeah i'm not on there i thought i was on mute <laughs> that would be useless um i think it's very 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 important not to shy away from those emotions um that you're feeling uh, on a day-to-day basis however long or however you know, at any stage along a journey of recovery that that you're going through, it's very important not not to shy away from those emotions. So, you know, if you're, for me, if you know, if you're feeling confused or puzzled or pain or overwhelmed or you know, whatever those emotions are, um, then uh, then I think it's it's important to to be upfront about those. And you haven't got to necessarily share every single emotion with every person. It'd be a bit weird stopping on the street saying, "Hey, I'm I'm feeling a." Uh, I'm feeling relieved today. You know, <laughs> they're probably thinking a bit weird, but I think it's it's very important for yourself, for me to be aware of how I'm feeling, but not and not necessarily share them with everybody. For example, I'm not I'm not going to walk on walk up to someone on the street and say today I'm you know today I'm feeling uh, I'm feeling exasperated or I'm feeling you know exhausted or whatever. It's it's important for me to know that that actually today um, you know I am actually feeling a little bit regretful about what we went through or feeling a little bit about feeling a little bit guilty about this Y, X, Y, xy and z um or you know so i think being able to not 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 uh being able to uh be aware of those and find space for those difficult emotions uh each day in your for yourself and and then i think also knowing when to share those emotions you know um uh, obviously, we've spoken a lot about communication and and the importance of sharing emotions, um, but I think that, you know, knowing what emotions and uh, and in what situations are, are, are right to share them, um, and of course, any emotion you can share them with anybody. Of course, uh, I wouldn't wouldn't stop anybody from doing that, but um, at all, cause I think it's very important. But knowing which ones you need to be aware of for yourself, I think, is important. And uh, making sure you find space to manage all of those, uh, all of those emotions you're feeling, and give them time. You know, give it, give it time to, to, to settle in and to come accustomed to that, to that sense. I mean, um, speaking more recently about the recent global lockdown, or certainly in the UK, the lockdown in the UK. Um, for me, I just had to find space. You know, I, I realized I was feeling very uncertain about my future financial stability because i earned no money um so i you know had to find time to just to just to be aware of those feelings that i might have been feeling confused um you know maybe maybe a little bit of not ashamed but just a bit um exposed uh financially uh in in the beginning of lockdown when i had when i had no money coming in or you know, uh, I just had to make, just make sure that I didn't turn my back on those feelings, and made sure that I just was aware of them because I think that really then made you know made me en- enable me to move forward with those feelings and emotions. Uh, you know, just sitting on my shoulder a little bit. I knew they were there, but I'd given time to them, and then I could move forward. Does that make sense, James? Do you think that's a good sort of thought?
2: <laughs> I do. I do, I do. I think uh the, the key words there are awareness and communication and uh and, and, and those are the ones that stand out. And and once we initially that, that increase in that level of awareness so that we can uh tune into um where we are at emotionally, as we said before, allow it to percolate, don't rush it, be present with it, and then determine the communication is about that effective communication and sometimes i suppose it's the the communication we have with self so that internal dialogue yeah yeah and then whether it's whether we feel there is a value in sharing or connecting with another so for me absolutely awareness communication effective communication is key um and there there are i suppose there are uh layers that go with those statements as i said before so the communication is both with self and others and it has to be effective that channel of dialogue we want to keep open and preserve and then the awareness is the the intensity that we apply that level of awareness and attention so are we are we paying enough attention are we rushing it are we snatching at it
0: yeah totally totally because i mean i guess i I guess there could be a stage where, where you, you know, you pay it some attention, you think you paid enough attention, but actually you might have to go back a little bit and be like, okay, you know, that's that gremlin, that sort of feeling is still there. I just need to go back and look at it uh, for a bit longer um, and spend some more time just thinking about it.
2: (laughs) That'd be fair. You know, what um, struck me George as well is you know, I asked a question earlier about has it informed or influenced future expeditions what you've gone through and it made me wonder whether if we go back to you know people will need to have listened to part one so let's go back to attempting to ride in the cow story and for those that have not heard part (laughs) one um please do go back and listen to show one and you monsters why have you listened to show two first that's madness um (laughs) but anyway if we go back to the cow story george bullard attempting to ride a cow uh, when he uh, was in short trousers. You heard it the here the first. The beginnings of his, uh, of his, exactly, the beginnings of his Indiana Jones life. Uh, so we go back to uh, that that sort of sense of just throwing yourself at it, al- al- almost, you know, metaphorically speaking, um, and, uh, and, and coming a cropper and injuring yourself off the back of of this um (laughs) it's it makes me wonder having gone through what you went through in 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 2011 and future expeditions do you feel that it has going back to awareness and communication it's improved these um assets these skills that we all possess as it sort of matured them somewhat further so when we talk about you know you you stayed after that tragic event you stayed for for several days after and 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 as a collective as a group of individuals you you saw the importance of communicating and sharing um what you were all feeling emotionally the the more recent expeditions that you've been on and 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 this one coming up in later this year do you think that it's made you a better communicator with yourself and then with other people?
0: Yeah, without a doubt, James, it's it's totally uh, totally given me a new set of, a new sort of weapon, if you like, in the armory. Um, because I and I do describe it as a sort of a weapon, and it's sort of a nice weapon. <laughs> a new tool in the toolbox, maybe, is a better metaphor. <laughs> it's certainly given me... All. A tool, wonderful. Yeah, let's step, stay away from weapons. They're not necessary. Um, a new tool in the toolbox... Uh, for 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 getting through life because i you know for me I think probably everyone can relates you know life 's complicated there 's lots of things going on and there is not not just in terms of a diary but also there 's lots of things going on in in your head in the top two inches and um these these expeditions really and all, all of the experiences that i have 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 gone into that toolbox or gone into yeah, gone into that toolbox um and at any stage i feel like I can sort of reach into that toolbox and and pull out whatever tool it is that I that I need um and but be, but beyond that uh being away on these adventures these expeditions where however long they are whether they're you know a day's walk away from your my, my home in the UK or whether they're a two three five you know five or even six or seven month project up in the arctic for me it's all about uh it's actually a form of meditation I think you know, I spent a lot of time in absolute silence in my own head, um, and quite mm. often I think about very little. It's quite scary, actually. I'm, I'm like, is my brain still there? Is it on? Because <laughs> I genuinely just think about so little. Um, you know, in, in Canada in January this year, we were we were walking um, uh, along the ice, walking along the uh, Great Slave Lake uh, outside Yellowknife in northwest, northern west territories of Canada, and I mean, i Sometimes frightens me how little I think about. uh So I think it is a form of meditation and a form of a time when I can just be in my own head and not really worry about that invoice or that bill or that money. You know, I've got food, I've got water, and I've got warmth, and boy, it's good. You know, I'm 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 gonna be all right tomorrow and today, and, uh, and I had a great day yesterday. So it leads me to be very grateful and very thankful for uh, for those days. Um, but really, just to answer your question, sort of back to where I was with that toolbox, um, all of these experiences, all of these days or months or even seconds spent outside uh, in the, uh, in I guess I'm going to call it, I'm going to dub it, uh, you heard it here first on the happiness algorithm, the the natural health service, not the national health service, the NHS, where we expect to go and get prescriptions and drugs and lie in a bed, which is fantastic, but for me, it's the natural health service that has um, that has given me the the, the toolbox uh, and given me the I guess maybe you could extend it. I would describe it as an extensive toolbox to to hopefully continue to go through life, um, facing all the challenges that we face and uh, going through them with a with a with a level uh, measured response, uh, which. I, and of course, those emotions will go up and down, and my mental health will go up and down, as will my physical health. But I think it, having that toolbox is an important part of part of life. Um, and I think you know, by that, if we can encourage you to go on an adventure or two, then that's that's amazing. Well,
2: there's definitely something in there, absolutely. The 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 natural health service and and. You know, when you mentioned there about Canada, the, the the simplicity of of one's existence when we're undertaking those tasks, that meditative quality that it possesses, I think that uh, we can all benefit from in one way or another. And uh, and as we were speaking about off air before the show, you, you know, um, interestingly, I've found uh, myself personally speaking the last two weeks, I'm beginning to feel the world squeezing me again from a working perspective and a commitment perspective and it's really interesting because we're starting to see the world uh our existence our environment begin to change shape as this pandemic uh changes too mm. and restrictions lift etc and uh and actually i'm losing that part of nature that i'd perhaps connected with um several weeks ago whether it be running going out for walks experiencing uh, the beauty of, of some of the places near where I live. Um, and, and I suppose we can all uh, adopt some of these changes going forward. Let's not lose sight of what is on our doorstep. And that is, uh, as I say, that's, 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 well, we should all get t-shirts made up, a uh, natural health service. Um, <laughs> that we can, uh, we can begin to embrace what is there, right there. It, it's inevitable, you know. I suppose when you're coming back from expeditions, there are always going to be bills. There is, you know, if we want to, if we want a roof over our head, if we want to maintain a level of contact through technology and mobile phones and Wi Fi's, there's always going to be a cost attached to that. Um, but there's no cost really uh, lacing up our shoes and, and and going for a walk, or you know wild camping or wild swimming that you know as you say you do love to jump in cold water i'm not quite there yet with you george but um i <laughs> haven't seen some of i haven't seen some of the uh it looks beautiful you know anyone that wants to check out george's instagram and see some of his wild swimming and bobbing along on an inner tube uh i do encourage you to watch but yeah there's there's a lot of things that I will join you doing uh n- the the cold water I'm um, as I say I'm not quite there yet but I have heard that it's uh, immensely beneficial uh to our health and well-being so maybe I need to you know pardon the pun but take the plunge and, oh, uh, mate, and, I th- and uh, test it
0: out I think you, get, I think you get you get your speedos on and um and get in there <laughs>
2: well i'm not sure the world's ready for that yet yeah. <laughs> maybe a wetsuit yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> george let's uh let's uh we are fast approaching the end of the show and i knew we would be tight on this but george let's go to your second uh your second song choice of the show uh stick with us here on the happiness algorithm uh i'm james roast i'm joined by george bullard uh, and this is his second song uh, of our the second part of our conversation uh, we'll see you after this we'll be
1: when we're we'll be I get no-
2: phoenix fm welcome back to the happiness algorithm with myself james roast and my special guest today is george bullard and that was his second song choice of uh of this show and that was chumba Wumba, uh tub thumping well there we go george that's that's four out of four songs over the two shows and uh well that that's one that's one hell of a playlist you got there
0: <laughs> yeah i love that one i think that's it that's a great song it's uh it's very uh, very apt for what we've been discussing. I think very apt for everyone who's maybe listening. Uh, I think we all get received knockdowns. Um and uh, it, the most important thing is that we we dust ourselves off uh, and get up again and uh, and try again. That old saying of get knocked down seven times but get up eight, I think. It couldn't be more important, um, especially now, um, that we should you know, we should keep trying. Um, you know, and uh, keep trying our best <laughs> and uh Uh, Even if we get knocked down, all those setbacks that we face, we all face them, however good we look online, however good we look on Instagram, we all get setbacks almost every day. And uh, uh, I think that song is just so important that we keep getting back up uh, and trying again, because that's most important.
2: Here, here! I couldn't agree more, George. <laughs> we uh, we did touch on um, in the previous show. We spoke a lot about your other uh, ventures. You know, it's not just uh, you're not you're not just uh, uh, an explorer, an adventurer. Uh, you have other projects closer to home that, that are uh, at your very heart. Um, if we may, can we share again uh, what you're involved in and, uh, and and what you're currently doing?
0: yeah well, that's uh, that's awesome so i mean for me it's a uh, uh my per so personally my mission is to rewild humans i think we become very detached from 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 the wilderness we become very detached from nature um as a species uh yet we rely on it for period <laughs> we need nature um there's that fame that sort of interesting saying and i'm not going to quote it cuz i don't know the exact saying but they say that if um if every single human in the world died tomorrow uh, the world will be fine. we would uh you know the world will continue to exist but if every single insect on the planet died tomorrow, the world would fail to exist in a few years' time. nothing would happen so it just for me um it's uh it reminds me of uh the the um um and uh um, it reminds me just, just, just how insignificant we are, but, but equally, uh, how much we need nature as a species. And so I, um, my mission is to be wild humans and through the outdoors, I believe we can totally change lives and affect people both mentally, physically, and emotionally, and so I basically created a series of businesses that, that align with those emotions, and so align with those missions. The first one is Igo Adventures, and at Igo, we um, uh, we deliver, we organise, we curate uh, real adventures with purpose. So that's people who want to go for a weekend away or a week-long journey somewhere, somewhere remote, uh, somewhere adventurous, and go and do it with purpose. So that's Igo Adventures, and then the Uh, And that's really cool. We go to places like the Azores to go and do dolphin surveys. We go to the Carpathian Mountains in Romania. They're stunning to go and study grizzly bears and wolves. Um, We go all over the world, sort of the the Norway, uh, Norwegian fjords, doing um, uh, on kayaks and canoes into the fjords. That's so beautiful. And all the time doing some giving back in some way, whether that's scientifically or um, with community projects, etc. That's Igo, I go. Um, and then there is city camping. City camping is really exciting. It's my newest one. It's sort of a newest venture. And again, I'm, we might get knocked down, but I'm going to get up again um, and give it another shot. But basically, I intend to this, this for city camping to be initially for young people. Uh, I, would, I would love it. I, I remember as a kid, loving going to spend a night in a tent somewhere in the garden. I think that was just the most fun and and inevitably I'd end up running into the house in, you know, an hour's time as a, you know, when I was a young boy. But, um, I don't think that a lot of kids, I think that a lot of kids who live in cities, uh, in the UK don't really have that access to those sorts of, um, to that sort of thing. So, uh, I am determined to bring that to them, uh, by putting up secure pop-up campsites in parks and green spaces across our cities. And we have exclusive permissions to put these campsites up. And uh so you know being able to do that would be would be awesome. So that's a relatively new and fresh, fresh one. Um and then there's a I guess a big heritage piece. Um in 1837, my great-great-great-grandfather started a brewery in Norfolk where we live. And uh, we grew that, or my grandparents grew that uh through until 1963 when it was bought by uh when it was sold and uh, we that no longer had anything to do with the brand at all. Uh yet it was a massive part of our story and our heritage and our history. So in 2015 the brand was bought back and we started a gin company uh based out of Norwich in Norfolk which is lovely. And um it's it's going really well actually we over over COVID we, we switched into doing hand sanitizer. Um To help sort of the front lines uh, workers, key workers and stuff, which is cool and very satisfying and um hopefully very worthwhile uh and but now we are still producing some hand hand sanitizer but also producing uh, eco pouches so we 're going down the sustainability route with the business, so you uh, buy a bottle of gin once you finish the bottle and then you go onto our website and uh, order a new eco pouch which uh, is a letterbox-friendly, contact-free delivery. So it comes to your letterbox with a little pouch inside it, and you fill up your gin bottle um, with the contents of the pouch. And then on the back of the pouch is a free post. So you post the pouch back to us. And uh, it's a sort of circular business, circular economy, which I really love. Um, And so you know, throughout those those sort of little ventures, um, I hope to educate, inspire, and engage uh, not just a generation, but also uh, entire civilization of people in the power of the outdoors. And um, uh, But, I, of course, I've got lots of interest under my own brand, under my own name, under my own sort of, um, like, uh, under my own name, yeah, <laughs> would do. And uh, that would be, I give lots of talks. So I go to schools and to businesses and speak about a lot of different things, whether that's mental wellness or corporate wellness or, pure simple inspiration, setting goals, managing failure, handling risk, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh all just the keynote talk I give a lot of uh to various businesses and schools and youth groups. And actually really anyone who'll listen, James, to be honest. So <laughs> that's uh me giving
2: talks. Um, well I'm sure every time you talk, I'm sure it is a it is a captive audience. I, I have no doubt. Lock the doors, um, mate. As, lock the doors, you know. Spend... Keep them in. <laughs> <laughs> this is it um george uh, remind people uh, remind the listeners how they can uh, they can follow uh, some of your pursuits not just from uh, not further afield adventures but those closer to home as well because as i said to you on uh, off air on previous shows as well i do love the sort of narrative and the historical uh, gesture to to, to gin and the brewery um where can they find out about um uh, gin I go adventure, city camping, mm-hmm. and 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 yourself. Yeah, so I mean,
0: all of those, all of those uh, brands that you've named um, I have a website and a, a Instagram account. City camping is obviously in its infancy, but um, the others definitely do. I have my own website, GeorgeBullard.co.uk. Uh, I have an Instagram account at George Ballard Explorer, and that's really where you can follow along with my next project, um, where I will be heading up onto the Arctic Ocean to gather never-before-seen data, content, imagery, research uh, on this uh, part of the world, which we know nothing about, yet is a pivotal barometer to the health of our planet. So I'll be out there for six months, um, getting a boat locked into the ice, living on board the boat, and sending back this vital research uh on the from the arctic ocean in the depths of the polar night so yeah follow along on there it'd be great to have you and i'm i hope quite active and be great to have as many people as possible and i will reply and and like everything that you guys do so <laughs> there you go that'll be great to see you there
2: well we'll be uh i'm sure well i certainly will be i'll be following that with 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 uh much interest uh the future adventure coming up and uh and obviously everything that you're everything else that you're doing as well george um again it's been uh oh, an an absolute pleasure to have you on the show george it, it really is as i said before it, it's it's mesmerizing to to listen to you speak it's been a difficult conversation today but a, but a very very important one um i think that uh what i will if i may I, i'll I'll pull some bits and 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 finish really the show with what was um spoken about at the end of last show and that was what most the essence of of what you do is built on is those three pillars, which is about inspiring um, the engagement or engaging uh, with nature and others and and education. Um, And, and, and that, that, those three pillars I think are fundamental and important for all of us. And and another important intervention that you spoke of on the previous show, which I think carries over to this is the ABCs, which is a for ambition, B for bravery, C was carp the M seize the day. Um, and I think those are f- what we've, we've discussed over these last two two shows, George. I think there's so much that people can can take, and, uh, and and I hope people can embrace and 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 adopt some of this this conversation. And I know I certainly will be. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure, George, to have you on.
0: General, well it's been a pleasure for me. So thank you very much for having me, and uh, you know I will look forward to catching up with you all again very soon
2: well we will we will pencil something in for uh, a future date whether it's uh pre during or post next adventure um because uh, uh you know there'll be a lot of positive feedback i'm sure from these shows and now before we go obviously we do need to hand over to mr hanks to see what he thought of today's show so tom how did you think it went i'd say that was a pretty successful broadcast I would agree with that, but you are slightly biased. Uh, But uh, I've been James Roast. My special guest today was George Bullard. Um, Have a great week. Uh, Be healthy, be safe and be happy. FN.